All right, if you would please open in the Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. You'll find it in the Pew Bible on page 811. You'll also find it in the bulletin on uh, page 9 or on some gadget or device in your pocket that you can look up this passage. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. If you would please stand. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. The word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you would please send your spirit upon us this morning as we open to this passage in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, We pray, Father, that the same spirit which moved Matthew to record these words would also be working in our hearts and minds to put away all the distractions to keep us uh, from hearing you. Put all that away, Father, and give us grace that we might have ears and hearts truly open, Father, to your word, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this has been uh, a great week. A lot of stuff going on. My family, some of you might have noticed, is not here this morning. Libby and I are sitting on an empty pew uh, Leslie is at home with our three granddaughters who uh, have colds and runny noses and are very catchy. So they're at home and their, their siblings and parents are traveling to Scotland, which uh, we're very excited for them to do that. They're over there doing some adventures and they'll be back, God willing, on Friday. So please do keep them in your prayers. Uh, but that means Leslie and I have been doing a lot of babysitting, and I use the word we very loosely. It's mostly Leslie. Uh, I'm around. I pay a lot of the money out that is involved, but uh, Leslie's been working very hard, so please pray especially for her. Next, next Sunday when you see her, uh, please give her a little, a little pat on the head and a little hug because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's great fun, but it's also very, very difficult work, and uh, so I'm grateful for for the adventure and for my wife, who is a great partner in everything. Um, Last Sunday, some of you will know, we had a meeting after church called a budget preview. It's something I don't think we've done exactly this way before. It was something our treasurer in the session came up with as a way to give the community, the church, an opportunity to know more about the budget, to know more about it before it's approved. Uh, Often what's happened in the past is we've approved a budget, then presented it after the fact to the congregation. And uh, this year we thought we'd switch that around and give the congregation sort of an insight and update into what we're up to, what we're thinking about, uh, and then get input in advance, which we then shared at the session meeting on Wednesday night. And we now have a a draft budget, too, which... (laughs) Will is now circulating and continuing to work with, and there's some areas we're looking to save. Uh, some of you may know we're going through a bit of a budget uh, transition time. Uh, we've 
a new church plant uh, has started from among people who attended Metrocrest. We're excited about that, but it means there are people who aren't sitting in the pews uh, who were sitting here a few weeks ago, and that's, that's put some pressure. There's some other transition things going on. I've been here two and a half years, and I, I can tell you from previous experience that after two and a half years, some people are done with the whole honeymoon thing, and they've decided, you know, for whatever reason, Bill's not the guy for them. Uh, and so all that stuff is going on simultaneously. And the net result in terms of our budget is we've got some financial stresses this year, which we're trying to deal with transparently and prayerfully. And we'd really appreciate your prayers for the session, the deacons, as they continue along that process. So we had this budget preview. It was so helpful. It was so helpful to all of you who were able to make it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, there was a great spirit of... Uh, realization of the challenge and also a great spirit of hopefulness and confidence in the Lord and that combination is really really powerful there was not an ounce of denial dealing with the realities but also very conscious of the fact that we're dealing with the realities in the context of a God who reigns over everything and whom we can trust so uh, last Sunday after church, we had this budget preview, and it, it's meant that this whole week, Will, the deacons, the elders, and I have been thinking a lot about stewardship and about money in the life of the church, which is interesting because providentially, uh, we are, after having done several one-off series on Pentecost, and last Sunday was Trinity Sunday, after doing some special one-off sermons thinking about the power of the Holy Spirit and thinking about the, the Trinity at work in the world. We're now coming back to the book of Matthew, where we left off several weeks ago. We're coming back to Matthew's gospel, and we are opening to the sixth chapter. We left off a few weeks ago, a few Sundays ago on chapter five. Today we open to chapter six, and guess what Jesus is talking about? He's talking about giving in the kingdom. Giving in God's kingdom. That's what I've called this morning's sermon, Giving in God's Kingdom. Giving is actually a very major topic in the Bible. You know, we get a little uncomfortable talking about money, but the Bible's not uncomfortable talking about money. The Bible has a great deal to say about money and specifically about giving. Uh, there are several books in the Bible which go into great detail about our giving, the offerings that uh, the Christian as heirs of the Old Testament, this attitude of stewardship, this attitude of giving thanks to God with our offerings. There are many references to that throughout the whole Old Testament. And there's a particularly interesting emphasis in the last book of the Old Testament called Malachi. The book of Malachi really from start to finish is a stewardship sermon. It's the prophet Malachi speaking to the Old Testament people of God, telling them how important stewardship is, how important their tithes and offerings are. And also, in that context, sort of exhorting them on the basis of their misbehavior. Uh, the Lord is not embarrassed to confront us with our misbehavior in the area of stewardship. So much so that he appointed a prophet, Malachi, to deal with that very topic. And it's, it's significant that that's the last book in the Old Testament. 
So that would have been the last book that the people in Jesus' day, this last prophetic word that the people in Jesus' day would have received. The, the book of Malachi actually closes with a reference to the coming of Elijah. And we know how in the New Testament, the people of God were eagerly expecting the return of Elijah, this representative of, of Elijah. And just like that was on their mind in the day when Jesus walked the earth and when the apostles were teaching and uh, in the life of the early church, so this idea of stewardship, giving, was very much a topic of interest. Jesus himself talks many times about giving. And here this morning, he talks very specifically about giving. Uh, I'd like for us to look at this together and see what Jesus wants us to know about giving, specifically its relationship to his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 begins with a a kind of general introduction to uh, chapter 6 verses 1 to uh, 24. He gives a general introduction to uh, several different things he's going to be talking about. He's going to be talking today about giving. Next Sunday we're going to see he has a lot to say about praying. And then the third week we'll be looking at what Jesus has to say about fasting. Uh, If you take those three things together, giving, almsgiving specifically, praying, and uh, fasting, those are, if you will, sort of the the three primary aspects of devotion that the people of God in the Old Testament were expected to live out. Uh, giving, praying, fasting. Those were things which are over and over again mentioned throughout the Old Testament as expressions of faith, as expressions of righteousness, meaning a right relationship with the Lord. Those were expressions of that. And, and so Jesus gives this introduction and he does it in this way. He, he brings it in terms of a caution. Now remember, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. We've just been in chapter 5 through what Jesus has to say about ethics, about things like um, the relationship of the law to our behavior and uh, how it will affect our behavior. Here, Jesus is going to do the same thing, but he's talking about our aspects of devotion, our religious life, if you will. The ethics he's dealt with in chapter 5. In chapter 6, he's going to deal with the way we live our religious life as Christians. So he gives this overall introduction. Beware, he says, of practicing your righteousness, this aspect of being made right with God, of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is actually going to be developing that theme in each of these areas, giving, praying, fasting. He's going to be developing the same general idea. But it would be worth our trouble to pay close attention to verse 1. He's talking about practicing. Uh, He's talking about the way we look, the the things we do. Um, He has a great deal to say about that. And it involves beware. Beware of your practicing. 
Now, bear in mind, Jesus has just told us over in chapter 5, uh, verse 14, that we are to be the light of the world. We are, he says, a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. We are a people uh, like a, a light, a lamp. You can't put it under a basket. So in chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, he's making it very plain that we're supposed to live, practice our devotion, our righteousness, in a way that brings glory to the Lord. That's something he's just said. But here he brings the complementary warning. The complementary warning is that when we practice our faith, our righteousness, we're not to do it to impress people. That's the message of each of these three sections. We're not to do it to impress other people, to get their attention, to get their approval. So let's think about that. What does he have to say specifically here about giving? Verse 2. Jesus says, Thus, when you give to the needy, the word here is actually almsgiving. Alms comes from a Greek word which means act of of, um, of mercy, act of compassion. It's, it's giving with this angle on being merciful and compassionate. Uh, ultimately, Hopefully, all giving at church includes that dimension, that everything we give should include this this idea of being merciful and being compassionate. Your your stewardship here at Metrocrest is an aspect of your giving in order to show mercy and compassion. I hope you know that we take a great deal of effort to make sure the budget of our church reflects the mercy of God, the compassion of God. And when you make your offering, we want you to know that it is our goal that every single penny that you give us is turned into acts of mercy and compassion. Uh, We take our missionaries, for instance, very, very seriously. We love them. We're grateful for them. And let me tell you, they have Our missionaries are the focus of a great deal of prayer as we try to figure out in a tight budget cycle how to make sure we care for these living instruments of mercy and compassion. How do we support them? How do we help them? How do we live in reality as we deal with what God has entrusted to us? Well, Jesus wants us to know that when we do that, we're not to do it the way some of the people in Jesus' day did it. He says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in the streets. Now, scholars have said there's there's actually no record of someone literally walking down the streets with a trumpeter announcing their giving. What he's here doing is using figurative language to describe it in the same way we might. It's not literally a trumpet. You don't have to have a trumpet to do what Jesus is telling us not to do. It's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude underlying the practice, underlying the behavior. They were doing it as though they had a trumpet. And they wanted to draw attention to themselves. They wanted to draw attention to their giving. 
Jesus is cautioning us not to do that. And he says, don't do that. He says, as the hypocrites do. That's a great word. We all know the word hypocrite. Uh, You don't have to go to church very long before you bump into the word hypocrite. It's something Jesus cautions the church about again and again and again. He sometimes ties it to the behavior of some of the religious leaders in his day. They were great hypocrites. Well, you know what the word hypocrite means? It, It actually means actor. They were, they were going through a, a, a certain kind of behavior. They were acting a certain way, um, like an actor does on stage. Uh, an actor is very good at, 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 at communicating what they want you to know about their behavior. And, the, and in a few actions or a few things said or done in a particular context, it's meant to communicate and leave an impression A great actor can do that. They can communicate uh, a great deal. But the thing about acting is, it's not real. Now, it may be telling something that has some roots in reality, but acting by its very nature is, it's pretending something. Well, Jesus wants us to know that it is possible to pretend in our religious life. And one of the most dangerous ways it's possible to pretend in our religious life, interestingly enough, is in this fundamental area of giving. Jesus says there are people who who seem to almost have a trumpet. They want to draw attention to their giving. He says it happens in the synagogues, not just the temple. Jesus makes reference in Mark and Luke to the to the collection box, the offering box in the temple. It happened in the temple. But here he's actually emphasizing the local neighborhood gathering, the synagogue. That's what the synagogue was. It was very much like what we're doing right now. The synagogue was the gathering of the local community. They would come together. And Jesus said that in that holy context, it was possible to be a hypocrite. So it happened in the in the community, in the, in the local gathering. He also says it happens in the streets because it wasn't enough just to get the approval of people there in the synagogue. They wanted to get the approval of people out on the streets. They wanted to get the approval of everybody. And so their generosity, their acts of kindness, their acts of mercy and compassion were actually done in such a way as an actor to elicit a response from people sitting around in the synagogue, worshiping, and people in the street going about their business. Jesus wants us to beware of that kind of behavior. We're not to be like them. We're not to draw attention to ourselves and make a big deal about ourselves. We're not to try and elicit a response of of approval from others. So easy to do. It is so easy to fall into that trap where even something as important, as good, as giving, well, we are capable of twisting that around and turning it into something that is actually deadly. That is a deadly thing to do. Seeking, he says, to be praised by others. Uh, It is a hypocritical thing to do, which is not good. And it brings a terrible reward. It says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. If your goal is to impress other people in your giving, and you give with that intention, 
and you get a little bit of approval from someone somewhere, guess what? That's it. (laughs) You've just gotten everything you're going to get. And giving can be like that. You can give a whole lot of money. You can give millions of dollars. But if it's to gain the approval of other people, well, you've gotten all the rewards you're going to get. You know, we live in a world that does this all the time. I mean, great acts of generosity can be turned into self-serving things. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Our, our, our culture, it's a, we live in a very, very wealthy culture. We've got a lot of resources and we want other people to know it. So all too easily, giving can be turned into this self-serving, self-worshipping, self-righteous activity. And Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to beware of that in our giving. I uh, used to be a member of a church that I still love very much. And uh, it's an old church, old denomination, connected to an older denomination. And let me tell you, it's got this infection really bad. Uh, I remember visiting a church years and years ago of my former denomination. Most of you know what it was, and the denomination that is. And I was in this beautiful, 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 old, historic building. And as you went from around the room, looking at this beautiful room, on every little thing, there was a little tiny brass tag, right? Little tiny brass tag. This was given in honor of so-and-so. This was given by so-and-so in honor of so-and-so. And And, uh, I'd look around the room, and as I became aware of it, I just, I, I couldn't help noticing it. It was everywhere, everything. In fact, on the Lord's table, there was a little tag that said, this is given in remembrance of so-and-so, and and it wasn't Jesus. I, I, I just remember thinking to myself, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how we can twist these things around. Now, you know, uh, truth is, uh, we all have very mixed motives about most things. So Jesus is not here calling us to have some hypersensitivity about it. He's he's not calling us to be afraid and twisted around and anxious about it. He wants us to be cautious about it. He wants us to be aware of it. He doesn't want us posting things that point towards us. That Well, that's a a kind of giving that, well, it's already gotten its reward. The tag is the reward. Someone noticing it is the reward. There's no more reward. That's a sobering thing, if you think about it, uh, to give a whole bunch of stuff hoping to uh, get approval and realize that a nod or a mention in some article somewhere is all that will come out of that gift. So Jesus cautions us about that. And, and uh, that, that's kind of the sad substance of heading number one. Giving rewarded by people, verses one and two. That is sadly what giving often results in. Just nothing but uh, the reward of 
a few people praising us for our behavior and activities. If that's what you're into giving about, beware, because that, that, is, that is not going anywhere. And it's certainly not the fullness of what giving is meant to be. So let's talk about giving that's rewarded not by people, but giving that is rewarded by God. Now let's just pause on that for a moment. We're Reformed Christians, right? We don't believe in works righteousness. We don't believe in doing something uh, with uh, the intention of getting a reward as, as uh, end in, end in end of itself. But here Jesus actually teaches us that there is a, a kind of reward that we should be conscious of in our giving. He teaches it. There is a reward. What is the reward? You know, I've actually heard this passage taught in the sense that the reward God's going to give us is more money. (laughs) Maybe you've heard that. Give a little bit to me, and God's going to give you more, right? I remember when I was in college, there was a TV evangelist that I heard on the television who said those words. He said, you give me a little bit of money and God's going to reward you by giving you a whole lot of money. And there's a school of thought that practices that. In our uh, Sunday morning Sunday school class, Will Grover is doing a fantastic job walking us through the book of Job. And one of the things Will cautioned us about is how there is something called the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel. That... uh, that gospel is about giving and, and doing certain things, uh, knowing that that's like a slot machine. You put your quarter in and God's going to give you a bunch of quarters out. Well, that is definitely not what Jesus means by reward. He is certainly not telling us that uh, giving means God's going to give us a lot of money. Now, let me just add, God can bless us. He is the source of all good things. At the end of Job, spoiler alert, Job gets some good things. But the point is, the reward that is being focused on is not money, even if money comes. That's not the point. And certainly when Jesus is telling this story, that was not the application that he wanted us to take away. Now, the reward that Jesus is talking about, and he's going to talk about it in each of these three areas of devotional life. The reward that Jesus is going to talk about is focused on a relationship. The reward is a deepened and enhanced relationship. Now, let's get this straight. It's not to get the relationship. We we don't practice our righteousness in order to get a relationship. The whole basis of the Sermon on the Mount is that we have a relationship. Jesus is going to be talking about this, his whole earthly ministry, about this relationship. We have this relationship from following Jesus. It's not by living a certain kind of life. It's not doing or not doing certain things. The relationship is based on walking with Jesus, following Jesus. And our relationship and the reward of God is found in this relationship. And what Jesus is saying is the reward is this, your relationship with the God who has saved us, the God who has saved you, can be deepened and enriched and enhanced as we learn to practice our righteousness, 
practice our faith in a way that reflects what Jesus has taught us. Not to try and earn something, but because of something. Something that Jesus gives us. And Jesus wants our giving to reflect that relationship. And and to have that relationship in focus when we give. So that our purpose, it is not to get the approval of people. It's to please our Father who loves us in Christ. You see, the basis of that relationship, and Jesus is going to use this word again and again through this section, the key to understanding this relationship is Father. We're we're not dealing with a slot machine. We're not dealing with a God who's coldly detached and on the sidelines and and our giving is trying to manipulate this unfeeling God who we hope he's having a good day and, and we hope this little bit of money will, will maybe make him favorably inclined towards me or maybe uh, I'm not sure he's real in the first place and so therefore I give because I want to get people's approval. At least that's something. No, Jesus is saying the giving that we are to do in Christ is anchored in the relationship we have with God through Christ, and it's called his being our father. So what Jesus wants us to do is to give in a way that has that focus. We, we give out of gratitude, out of love, out of, out of a desire humbly to follow Jesus. And like I said, all of our motives are mixed. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that pure motive in my life. But it's our goal. It's it's meant to shape the way we think about our giving. It's the thing we come back to again and again. It's, It's the reminder that the ultimate purpose of Christian stewardship is to express the the love and gratitude we have for the one who has given us everything, who has given us all the material blessings we have, whether it's a lot or a little. He is the source of it all. We've already sung about that today couple of times in the hymns Nick chose it was specifically to emphasize this idea of everything we have comes from the Lord everything and we have the privilege of giving back a portion of what he's given us by the way that's what Malachi is saying the Pharisees misunderstood Malachi Malachi was basically saying the same thing that tithes and offerings are our response to what God has done And so Jesus teaches his disciples and through them he teaches us that our giving is to have that goal, is to have that focus. So he says, when we give to the needy, that is when we give our alms, when we give mercifully and compassionately, he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now again, like with the trumpets, (laughs) Jesus is not saying we're just sort of have some split personality where we try to pretend as though we don't know what we're doing and we become hyper-secretive. And I've actually bumped into Christians occasionally who are so troubled by this idea that it, it almost freezes them. They can't, they're afraid that they're going to be drawing too much attention to themselves. And like I said, our motives are always mixed. Right? We're sinners. Every part of us is fractured. So it's not that we don't give because we're afraid we might somehow be thought better of by someone. I mean, that, that'd be the very opposite of what Jesus has just said. We're supposed to let our light shine. 
So we, we, can't, we can't be frozen in inaction. We certainly can't hide behind what Jesus says here so that we don't give. We're supposed to let our light shine. We're supposed to, to be people who are characterized by generosity. That actually brings glory to God when it's done in the right way. When it's done in a way that points at Christ and not the brass tag that I put on it, but it's actually pointing towards the ultimate giver. When that's our focus and that brings glory to God, that's our being the light to the world that Christ tells us we are in him. But what he does mean is we're, we're to make our decisions about our giving in a way that deprives ourselves of self-focus. We're to seek to cultivate an attitude and to, to look for ways in which our giving can be focused on God. And I want you to know, we, we take that pretty seriously here at Metrocrest. As your pastor, I want you to know, I have no idea how much anybody gives. So if you're a millionaire giving a 10% tithe, I know nothing about it. If you're someone like the widow who brings your widow's might, I really don't know about that either. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or your elders or anybody shows you appreciation, treats you different. Because you know what? The ultimate point of stewardship, the ultimate point of giving is to bring glory to God and to have a relationship with your Father where your giving reflects something of your gratitude, something of your praise to Him for what He's done for us in Christ. And that's to be giving in the church. That's to be giving in God's kingdom. It's, it's giving which is motivated by love and praise and gratitude and a desire to point people towards the God who made us and has redeemed us. Well, let me wrap up and bring some application, very specific application. Brothers and sisters, June 2023 is the last month. If you look in the announcements uh, in the bulletin at announcement number 13, you will know that this is the last month of our fiscal year. Uh, we are wrapping up. We're, we're trying to put the finishing touches on our budget. As I've told you, we face challenges. I want you to know that so you can pray about it. But I guess I also want to ask you and me and my family and all of us together, as we make stewardship decisions for June, as we make stewardship decisions for the new fiscal year that starts next month, as we make our stewardship decisions over the rest of your life, Let's make stewardship decisions. Let's give in a way that underscores giving in the kingdom of God. That's between you and God. That's between you and God. You sort it out. You, you go to him and talk. And I encourage you literally to do this this month as you're making your plans for next month, as you're making plans for finishing this month. Go to the Lord and talk to him about stewardship. You know, it's one of the most spiritual things we do, and yet it may be one of the things we least pray about, our giving to the church. Uh, some people solve that question by simply saying 10%. Those people are rarer and rarer, by the way. Um, there are some people, though, that do that. They were taught when they were kids, 10% is the number, and so they take out a calculator, and they figure out that's 10%. That's a, 
way of thinking we can all sort of stumble into sometimes. But you know what? Jesus doesn't really talk about our stewardship in terms of a certain percentage. Well, he, he does actually. It's 100%. 100%. He actually several times says to people, give all that you have. He says to the rich young man, sell what you have and give it to the needy. Uh, I don't really think Jesus is saying that all of us should rush out to the real estate agent and, uh, and sell everything we have. I don't, I don't think that's the point. The point is, and I think it's, it's applicable here as well, everything we have is at the Lord's disposal. Everything, every penny we spend, every penny we earn, it's all the Lord's. And we want to cultivate the heart that it's all available to him for his work. And let me tell you, when when that attitude seeps into the life of a church, when stewardship quits being a, a box you tick or something you do to get approval from someone else that you can fit, You run out of brass tags. You run out of things you can buy to put your name on. Uh, But when when you put all that stuff aside and you heed Jesus' warning and focus instead on saying thank you to God in your stewardship, then that's when God does amazing things. You know, for instance, that's what happened in Philippi. That's what happened in the church in Macedonia. When, When Paul was in Corinth, he told, or when he was writing to the church in Corinth, he told the church in Corinth, which had a lot of money, had a lot of rich people, a lot of, a lot of influential people. To them, Jesus said, notice the example of the church in Macedonia. The church in Macedonia, interestingly, was a very poor church. Uh, they did not have a lot of money. Yet they had what Paul calls the grace of giving. The grace of giving. They had come to understand that everything they had was God's and they gave from what they had in gratitude to him. They threw away the calculator and they began to think about what, what can I help? How can I help? And I know there are people sitting here in this room and, who are living your Christian life, your stewardship decisions are like that. Uh, people who are giving extravagantly in money sometimes in effort in energy people who seem to be willing to help whenever they can help that's what Jesus is talking about a a giving whatever we give a giving that is anchored in this relationship with our father in Christ well um We're about to gather at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ where we will be thanking God for his greatest gift to us. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, whom we talked about last Sunday. We will be thanking God for the greatest gift which we have received in Jesus. And the more we think about what Jesus has done for us, the more we reflect on what he died to give us, then the more we will want to respond with lives that reflect it, that are designed to please our Father so that we'll grow in our relationship with Him and become step by step, day by day, a tiny bit more like Jesus.